Welcome to the 28th episode of the Skills Factory, talks and ideas about skills from Europe and beyond. This is the podcast series of the European Training Foundation, the European Union agency working on human capital development in EU neighboring countries. The world of work is changing very rapidly. It seems that new professions are invented every day. Robotics technician, biomedical engineering technician, AI prompt engineer. What skills will people need to navigate this new world? How should education and training change in order to equip people with skills for the future? And let me introduce you our very special guest for this discussion, the expert in the field, Francesca Rosso from the European Training Foundation. Hi, Francesca. Welcome. Thank you very much, Maria. Very nice to be here. Automation and artificial intelligence will destroy most of the currently existing jobs. True or false? False. We don't know much what professions and occupations of the labor market will exist in 2030. True or false? False. The key to get employed in the future will be the capacity of an individual to continuously learn and acquire new skills. True or false? Very true. Imagine a 20-year-old someone, woman or man, listening to us right now. What would be your main advice to this person to make sure that this person will remain employable in the upcoming years? Well, definitely my message would be to invest in uh, your skill set and in particular linked to the digital skills, but not only, also entrepreneurship, languages and in general uh, core skills. This is important not only in your initial education, but throughout the course of the whole life. That's really, um, I think, the best piece of advice. We say that skills are the currency of the 21st century. The main feature which emerge is a huge sense of uncertainty and skills are really the one thing that can help people navigating through uncertainty. If I have to add another element is the importance of accumulating experiences and work-based learning is one of the best ways across countries to learn the skills that one person really needs in the labor market. And then, of course, also the value of aspirations. It's not only um, finding or educating people for a job in the labor market, but it's also to educate people for allowing them to take their place in the society. That's an old discussion in the education community, but I think it's still extremely, extremely relevant. So I would really say invest in your skills, accumulate experience and follow your aspirations. If we want to now make a list of things the youngsters of today, they have to be able to learn. They have to learn how to learn new things continuously, right? And this requires a certain grade of flexibility and attitude, no? The second thing you said is skills is your capital. Invest in it now in order to be employable in the future. And the third one is work-based learning. Acquire any experience you, you can, the earliest that you can, correct? Yes, I would even say not invest in your skills now because it can be useful in the future, but invest in your skills every day of your life because you will continue to need new skills every single day. Do we know exactly what jobs will be needed in 10, 20 years from now? Yes, we have uh, seen that there are clear evolutions of jobs and skills demand. 
And what we have seen in our studies is that uh, what will be needed in the future um, are new technology-related occupations, but also new business-related occupations. We have seen that the new trends impact not only the highly skilled workers, as we initially thought, but all level of workers. So also those workers which have medium skilled or low skilled workers, uh, such as trade people and machine operators. For instance, in the automotive sector in Turkey, together with the high demand for engineers and high skilled professional, we also found a great need for the so-called gray collars, means the technician with higher level of expertise. If you work in an assembly line in a factory, you will no longer work with a machine per se, but you will be asked probably to operate the machine through IT systems, which means that your skills, your skills needs will be higher. Does it mean that few workers will be needed, but those that will remain in the simpler jobs will have to upskill themselves and acquire new skills on robotics, automation and all of that? There are projections which say that millions of jobs will be lost, but there are other projections which say yes, but there will also be millions of new jobs uh, created. So I don't want to enter into the quantitative side of this question, uh, but from a qualitative point of view, what you say is correct. We will need people with higher level of proficiency at all skills level. So also those who work in elementary occupation will need to be better skilled. Do you think the current education system provide people with skills that will be needed in 10, 20 years from now? Well, um, I have to say that the education system has changed uh, dramatically after the COVID-19. And let me start by saying that what has changed in the past uh, three, four years is not much that the lessons have switched into online lessons, but is the fact that people more and more across the globe have understood, they are now aware that they have to learn continuously throughout their life. So in a way, we have lived and we are still living um, in a moment where education has really uh, gone through a very in-depth revolution. And of course, countries have tried to adapt. They were equipped in very different ways and there were very strong dichotomies. There were countries where during COVID time, there was not even one day uh, lost of schools. Uh, I could mention Finland, for instance, while in some of our ETF partner countries, schools have closed for several months, if not a year. The real issue there, it's an issue of time because you have a change which happens in the labor market, which is so fast that it's so difficult also to equip education system with this new, this new curricula or to adapt the curricula which were already existing before, but net, that needs now to be uh, somehow transformed. So I think that countries are trying to improve and ETF is working a lot with many partner countries on that, but much more needs to, to be done. Uh, um, I really believe that uh, new technologies, innovative technology can uh, provide uh, great uh, opportunities uh, in this regard because, uh, uh, for instance, through the use of big data, it is possible to gather large amount of information on what new adaptations uh, are needed. And these information are really precious for education and training authorities. How much responsibility do you think the education training system carries in this situation of a need to acquire new skills for each individual on this planet and how much it's individual impetus, individual will. So do you think the education and training actually are the key 
stakeholders, key player in this, or is it individual that has to go out and make himself or herself relevant for the labor market? Well, I think it's a, it's really a shared responsibility. Quality education needs to be available for all students in all countries. But then, of course, it comes the part where the individual, the family, have also to play to play their role. Especially in the discussion about upskilling and reskilling, um, it's not compulsory education; it's the continuation of learning throughout the course of uh, one person's life. Then the individual becomes very important. There is also responsibility of uh, companies if they have have workers who work better, who are better skilled, they also have a greater impact on the productivity. So obviously, it's a return also for, for the company. And there are also other institutions like labor market authorities, public employment services, who have a, a role and a responsibility. So there is a plethora of actors which share this responsibility for generating a better educated generation of people. And I think there is also a very important role of coordination. And this coordination needs to be done by the government. Because when there are too many actors, everyone is believing that it's responsibility of the other one. Who should take the lead? Well, that very much depends uh, on the context. But it's clear that uh, governments uh, have a very important role in this. It could be like a line ministry, it could be the Ministry of Education, it could be the Ministry of Economy. It really depends on the institutional setup of a country. But of course, uh, I think that the major understanding that countries need to have is that the challenge to prepare the workforce for a future which is constantly changing is too big for one actor alone. It really needs uh, to be a joint effort by, by different authorities and different actors in the different countries. I think the point that you just made, Francesca, is super important because, as you said, the changes are so rapid and things are evolving so quickly. There is no one single actor that can take care of preparing people for these changes. The concept of a stable career, that you would go and study, you would do university or vocational education, you would find a job that would allow you to stay in that job for a lifetime. This is over. Well, uh, that's uh, quite certain, yes, across countries. It has also changed a bit uh, the meaning of what the word stable means. Uh, we are in the period which has been defined by international media as the period of the great resignation. There are like really impressive numbers uh, globally which say that almost 50% of the workforce population is thinking of uh, changing uh, their job in the next uh, six months. That's, that's really a big shift in the labor market. Uh, people look for new objectives. They don't look into a permanent job that's not what drives young people uh, and it's not even their salary what they look for it's the quality of life uh, they can have in a job the work personal life uh, balance uh, is the manager they have the boss they have so yes definitely the aspirations uh, have very much changed I want to mention one uh, very interesting um, survey that ETF has carried out uh, with some partner organization to understand how young people have reacted after COVID and what are their perception or their aspiration for their future jobs. 
I think it's very, very interesting. What we found in this survey is that, of course, after COVID, there was a prevalent pessimism. And as I mentioned before, uh, young people expressed huge uncertainty about the future of their economy, of their own life, countries and jobs. But what they said is also that COVID was seen by many people as an opportunity to start new businesses. So they found, for instance, new opportunities in specific industries, for instance, IT, e-commerce, online education, medical assistance services, and so on. So there are so many new elements, uh, uh, in a way, that are integrated into young people's mind after the disruption of the COVID-19, that I can definitely say that, yes, the stability of the job, as we say, it's probably an old memory. And countries, system education, system, but also labor market system, companies have really to adapt to that. I see this change as a challenge for the company. Companies have to now invest in new branding. They have to attract the talents and they have to retain the talents. That's not an easy task. It's really a way to see a business in a different way from the past. Coming back to my question, how many times on average a youngster that will come into the labor market now in the upcoming two, three years would need to change a job or to change a career or to change a profession? Do we have that estimation? Well, we don't have that estimation for our countries, at least it's not an estimation ETF has carried out. There is probably some uh, research done at international uh, level, but I could tell you multiple. One element that we also observe in our partner countries is the shrinking of the public administration, which was, of course, uh, one of the places where work or job was conceived uh, to be for life and much more work uh, in the private sector. And now we have a biggest disruption happening with AI coming into the labor market. What do we know already about the impact of AI on the labor market? Do we know already how many jobs it destroyed or transformed? Well, artificial intelligence, let me say first, is not new. It has been there for a long time. It's not an invention of 2022 or 2023. And also, it's not the first uh, huge uh, technological innovation that the world has faced. We have, of course, lived many different rounds uh, of uh, industrial revolutions, then automation, internet, and so on. And always in the history, we're um, optimistic and pessimistic people which were you know, uh, saying that this new innovation would uh, dramatically kill the life of workers and, uh, you know, there would be no workers uh, left. Someone even said in the 30s that uh, to the end of the century, we would all uh, be on beaches because there would be no need to perform any job anymore, which is not really, you know, the case. It didn't really happen. So it's not new. Other waves happened. The technology per se, is not new. It was there before, and we expected even faster evolution, which didn't happen. Of course, it had an acceleration in the past one year, I would say, and it became very relevant, especially in the media, especially through the evolution of the language processes, chat GPT, for instance. There are, of course, at international level, many estimation of the number of jobs that artificial intelligence could cut. But I think that the real discussion there is that there are many jobs which will necessarily disappear, but there will be also many new jobs created, and there will be many old jobs done in a different way. 
someone has said that uh, the 21st century is not uh, an era where there is a race of humans against the machine, but it's an era where humans work with machines and with digital machines. And that I think is very true. So I wouldn't be really worried about the number of jobs uh, destroyed uh, by the artificial intelligence. I would be much more concerned in other elements which relate to the need to equip people with the skills they need to work with these new realities because they will happen, like it or not. And uh, the ethical part of it, the European Commission is very much committed to work on ethics of artificial intelligence. Other countries in the world are also doing the same. I think that's a very important discussion to regulate the way in which artificial intelligence process data, use data, generates information and so on. It's a job which is ongoing and I think we will see results rather soon. In fact, the creator of ChatGPT at the US Congress session said, please regulate it. So that's a big, big and strong message. Coming back to actually the artificial intelligence and its impact on the labor market, we have a tradition of asking the speakers of our podcast one question that would be formulated by artificial intelligence. And what better opportunity than to talk with AI about the future of skills? And here comes the question formulated by ChatGPT. In a world where AI appears to be on the verge of dominating traditional jobs, it's natural to see the concerns about human relevance. However, as AI itself, I must raise a thought-provoking question. Could it be that the advancements in AI have reached the point where machines possess the potential to outshine humans in the labor market? What should humans do to adapt to an era where AI emerges as a formidable force? Well, I think that humans need to really learn how to live with these technical tools and to take the best out of them. As I mentioned before, it's not humans versus artificial intelligence or machines, but it's rather humans with artificial intelligence and machine. I want to make you an example. We have carried out lots of studies in different economic sectors, and we have seen that all the professions are still there done in a very different way. I want to mention the example of agronomists in a traditional country such as Morocco. So agronomist is a very old um, occupation. It's a very traditional occupation. However, what we have seen today is that agronomists are doing their jobs in a very different way. They need to use sensors, they use apps, cell phones to understand when to irrigate the lands. They um, get uh, specific messages from apps on how to you know, deal with the crops and so on. Does it mean that the work, the job of agronomy is no longer needed? Ask anyone in the field and they will tell you, of course, it's one of the most important. We still need to eat something. Exactly. <laughs> if we want to have, uh, you know, vegetable and fruit, you better have agronomists. So it's not an issue that the machine is replacing them, but machines, artificial intelligence apps and so on, can veritably make their life easier. And actually increase the productivity, no? Exactly. It can go toward more efficiency. 
and also toward you know more greening economies. It also has an impact on making our economies greener. So my bottom line answer is that we have to equip ourselves as human with skills and skills are really a central point in this discussion to be able to take the most out of these technological innovation. I would like to thank our speaker, Francesca Rossa. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you very much, Maria. And thanks to you for listening and stay tuned because there is much more to come. Goodbye. <laughs>